0: What are the differences in terms of policy positions that, for example, you may have with President Trump? Probably not very many at all. Oh, well, right. Good call in that case. Running against him for president. Tim Scott. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That'll work out. I got the feeling that something right. Smart strategy. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm one. Get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am Stuck in the
1: middle with
0: you Uh, Yep From Pacifica Radio in snowy Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the snowy central coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Out in Lanchester, Pennsylvania on W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, probably no snow there. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. It's always snowy there. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. We've got, um, well, somewhat of a grab bag of news and politics and accountability for you today. As much of America hunkers down for a weekend of wild and or weird and or dangerous winter weather, Desi Doyen. Most definitely weird. We've got uh, both high and low temperature records that are set to be smashed across a whole bunch of portions of the country, insanely warm weather in parts of the southeast, as winter storms and even a first ever, well, we don't know, first 1st first in a long time in any event, blizzard warning here in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, a blizzard warning. It, it was issued by the National Weather Service out here for some of the mountain areas. Uh, it, it, it was so unusual that local TV weather in L.A., and I'm guessing... This sort of conversation makes our friends in places like Minnesota laugh out loud, <laughs> yes. but it was uh, the, the local uh, TV weather people had to explain what a blizzard actually is. Yep. Now, laugh, <laughs> laugh all you want. But in fact, even though I grew up in Missouri and I went to school in Michigan and New York where we had our you know fair share of blizzards, I was not exactly sure what makes something a blizzard. Versus just a snowstorm or a winter storm, etc. So I began, you know, pondering this last night uh, as uh, we saw this forecast for Los Angeles County and nearby environs. And for the record, a blizzard is defined as a storm with all of the following conditions fall uh, falling and or blowing snow with winds that are 35 miles per hour or greater visibility down to a quarter of a mile or less, and all for a duration of three hours or more. So, in fact, it sort of seems that wind is actually more critical to blizzard conditions than, yes, than that, a whole bunch of snow.
1: That is my understanding. That it's Well, I mean, snow, I think, is a component of it, obviously, but it definitely is the wind and the lack of visibility and the duration that uh, seem to make it stand out from a regular snowstorm.
0: Whereas that's what I, you know, when I think of blizzard, I just think of a huge amount of snow. Uh, but, once again, always careful to check my own biases. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't actually right about that. You're right. It is the wind that seems to be the critical component and the visibility and so forth. Even if the snow is light, we're arguably on the ground already, but the wind goes crazy and starts blowing it around, well, blizzard conditions can develop. So you can have a ton of snow, um, but without the high winds... And a lack of visibility with it, it would only be a snowstorm, not necessarily a blizzard. Who knew? Well, now you and I both do.
1: The more you know.
0: So you've uh, you've already learned something on today's (laughs) broadcast. You're welcome. It may all go downhill from here. I don't know. But there's something. Speaking of weather-related matters, Desi Doyen will have our latest green news report a bit later this hour with, as I recall, not really much uh, weather-related news at all.
1: No, other stuff, because, you know, other stuff also happens.
0: Well, in fact, a bunch of accountability and climate-related news and a few complaints of my own about Republicans suddenly pretending to be concerned about the toxic chemical train derailment disaster in a white rural part of Ohio, critically while there is a Democrat in the White House, even if they haven't yet figured out how to give a damn about equal and far worse toxic disasters in places like Flint, Michigan, Jackson, Mississippi. Mississippi, even right here in L.A. County. But what would we have to talk about at all if not for pretend Republican outrage? Am I right? Here's something that may give them some real outrage, however, on the heels of Tuesday's historically impressive Democratic special election wins this week in New Hampshire and Virginia and Kentucky and probably Wisconsin that we uh, detailed on yesterday's program Of course, my sincerest apologies in advance, by the way, if I outrage anyone today, particularly Republicans. I'm sure it's not on purpose. President Biden is seeing his highest approval ratings in almost a year. Well, that's going to drive him nuts. Uh, (laughs) While former President Donald Trump, who is hoping to make a comeback, is getting his worst scores among Republicans potential Republican voters in years. That, according to the latest NPR-PBS NewsHour Marist poll out this week, the survey conducted last week after the president's State of the Union address the week before of more than 1,300 adults and about 1,200 registered voters, so a pretty large sample size there, finds that Joe Biden bottomed out In this survey at 36 percent approval in July of last year, but has made slow and steady improvements since then. And uh, for the month of February, he is now up to 46 percent approval with all respondents and an even higher 49 percent. With registered voters, the 46 percent is his highest mark since March of last year. So almost a year. And he hasn't been at 49 percent since the Afghanistan withdrawal in August of 2021. about a year and a half. So, you know, not hugely impressive, but back into the could win reelection territory, it seems to me, with a noteworthy nearly 15 point bump. Uh, Coming in slowly over the past six months or so, even as many Democrats remain concerned about both Biden's approval ratings and his age, of course, and who they might want to run instead of him if he chooses not to. One warning sign, however, as noted by NPR Marist, is that Biden is still lagging with independent voters, just 36 percent of them approve of the job that he is doing. Nonetheless, Democrats do seem to be warming up to Biden of late. NPR notes that for months, Democrats have not been sure if Biden was their best shot at winning in 2024. Bunch of surveys, including Marist's, have shown that members of Biden's own party thinks he's too old, that they'd have a better chance of winning the White House with someone else, even though no one can seem to agree on who that other persons should be <laughs> uh, back in November of last year, right before the midterms, 54 percent of Democrats and Democratic leaning independents said they had a better chance with someone else in 2024. That has now changed in the survey. Now it was 54 percent. Now just 45 percent. Uh, Believe they'd do better with someone else. So, a nearly 10% drop in folks who think someone else other than Biden has the best chance of winning for Democrats. Now, uh, 50% say they have the best chance with Joe Biden. 45% think the best chance lies with someone else. So uh, why is this happening? Why are things looking better for uh, Joe Biden? Well, NPR's Domenico Montanaro suggests three potential reasons from the polling results. Democrats had a better-than-expected midterm elections— better than expected by who, Domenico? (laughs) Two, Biden's State of the Union address gave potential Democratic voters more confidence in his ability to carry the message forward. And all of this is likely also part of the normal coalescing around a nominee as the party figures out if Biden will be running again or not, or if voters would need to coalesce around someone else in 2024, a different Democrat. But while all of that sort of gets sorted out. This part of the new NPR Marist survey may help Democrats chillax a bit. That whether uh, they should, well, that's a different question altogether. We'll address that separately. Uh, While things are looking a bit better for Biden, things do not look quite as good for Donald Trump as he faces what's shaping up to be a serious threat to his bid to be the GOP nominee again next year by a 54 to 42 percent majority Republicans and independents who lean their direction, in other words, Republicans who are too embarrassed to say they are Republicans, so they now claim to be independent and so (laughs) forth, uh, said that they think they would have a better chance in 2024 with someone other than Trump. A pretty clear majority, 54 to 42 percent of those surveyed, of Republican surveyed, would like to see a different nominee next year. And that's actually a slight improvement for the former president, considering just 35 percent in November said that Trump would give them the best chance at winning. So that's that number has jumped about seven points in the last few months, up till 42 now. Still, the percentage saying they would be better off with someone else. Fifty-four percent. apparently that has not budged in months. Frankly, uh, given all of the trouble that Trump is likely to be in over the next few weeks and months and, yes, years, one would think that, that that number should actually be higher of those people who want someone else. It's kind of remarkable, it seems to me, that they keep sticking with this guy, given all that they should have come to learn about him by now. Though whether they have learned that, given the fact that so many Republicans don't look anywhere for news other than inside their little disinformation news bubble, their disinformation news outlets. And and when they do get news from elsewhere, by the way, Trump and the entire party has conditioned them, has groomed them, (laughs) if you will, to believe it's fake news. Uh, So maybe I should not be so uh, quite so surprised that they are all still uh, going in for this knucklehead. And even though I believe that Trump would be the easiest of the GOP candidates, most likely for Democrats to defeat next year, the the party and even its non-completely insane candidates are still clinging to Donald Trump for reasons that remain unclear to me given that he continues to hurt them in election after election after election. Here's a swell example from the past 24 hours or so that you may or may not have noticed. I suspect the uh, GOP rank-and-file voters have not noticed this because their so-called news outlets continue to disserve them and have almost certainly not told them about it. So uh, over the past 24 hours, everyone on the left seems to be sort of panicking uh, today about House Speaker Kevin McCarthy giving access to some 40,000 hours of U.S. Capitol security camera footage to the far right Fox News propagandist and clown Tucker Carlson. Uh, I'm not, frankly, panicking about that, but you can email me if you like, if you want to tell me why I should. I am bradcast at bradblog.com if you want to tell me why I'm wrong, why you know what you think I'm missing here. But while that is going on and sort of freaking out a whole bunch of folks on the left and seemingly in the corporate media, here is a very noteworthy story for both history and potentially for upcoming criminal trials uh, that has received... Much less notice over the past 24 hours or so since Washington Post broke this exclusive. Nearly a year after the 2020 election, Mark Burnovich, Arizona's then Republican Attorney General, uh, the state now has a Democratic one, Burnovich uh, launched an investigation into voting in the state's largest county, that would be Maricopa County, home to Phoenix and about 60 percent of the state's voters. Uh, This investigation quickly consumed more than 10,000 hours of his uh, his staff's time. That's 10,000 taxpayer funded hours, by the way. After those 10,000 hours of taxpayer-funded hours uh, of, of, of investigation by the state attorney general's office, the investigators prepared a report back in March of last year, March of 2022, stating that virtually all claims of error and malfeasance in the 2020 election were unfounded. This, according to internal documents reviewed by the Washington Post. And while that may come as little surprise to those who have followed our coverage of Arizona over the past two years on this program, uh, you know, what should be alarming to both you and everyone else, as the Post reports, is that Brnovich, a Republican, kept. The contents of that report, finding no evidence of massive election fraud, private. Again, taxpayers funded 10,000 hours of investigation. Brnovich never delivered the information that was found by his investigators to the public. Now, see if you can figure out why he he might have kept the results of his probe secret from his own potential voters in April of last year. So that would be the month after the report finding uh, zero evidence of fraud had been completed in March of 2022. The attorney general, who was running in the GOP primary for a U.S. Senate seat, released what he called an interim report claiming that his office had discovered, quote, serious vulnerabilities. In other words, in fact, uh, he gave the opposite impression of what his office actually found as he hoped to get votes from Republican voters when he was running for the nomination, uh, for the GOP nomination for the U.S. Senate in Arizona last year.
1: Not only that, but when he released his interim report, misstating and mischaracterizing the actual report, the actual report was already finished. He just pulled out an interim report lying yeah, about the he content. He just
0: made something up so that he very didn't have to release. Really, yeah, very Bill Barr, in fact, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, what the Post has learned is that Bernovich left out edits to that so-called interim report, edits from his own investigators refuting his assertions in that interim report. Uh, His office uh, then uh, compiled later an election review summary in September that would be the uh, month after Brnovich had lost his bid for the GOP Senate nomination to a guy named Blake Masters, who had claimed that the 2020 election had been stolen from Trump in the state, which... This uh, final elections review summary systematically refuted all of the accusations of widespread fraud and made clear that none of the complaining parties from the GOP state lawmakers to the so-called Republican election integrity groups had presented any evidence to support their claims. But when Brnovich left office in January of this year, he left without releasing that summary that final report finding no problems at all. So that timeline emerges from documents that were released to the Post this week by Bernovich's successor, Chris Mays, a Democrat, the new Democratic attorney general in Arizona. She said she considered the taxpayer-funded investigation to be closed. And earlier this month, she notified leaders on Maricopa County's governing board. That would be a Republican majority, by the way but not an insane one. She notified them they're no longer in the state's crosshairs because they were being investigated for potential criminal wrongdoing of some sort that nobody could identify by the state's Republican attorney general. The uh, records show that Brnovich used his office to further claims about voting in Maricopa County that his own staff had considered to be inaccurate Innuendo and accuracies circulated not just in the far reaches of the Internet, but with the imprimatur then of the state's attorney general helping make Arizona an epicenter of distrust in the Democratic process, eroding confidence in the 2020 vote as well as in subsequent elections. The documents obtained by Washington Post uh, include two investigative summaries, a draft letter with edits totaling 41 pages, and they fill in details about the uh, sometimes enigmatic actions, as they describe it, of the state's former top law enforcement officer. Because remember, after the election, Brnovich had affirmed that Trump had lost in the state in 2020, that ticked off fellow Republicans. He went on to resist Trump's efforts to overturn the vote in the state, but he flirted with claims of fraud nonetheless as he courted GOP uh, voters over the next couple of years. Yes, while he was running for the GOP U.S. Senate nomination, trumpeting that phony interim report on far-right Radio shows saying, uh, quote, it's frustrating for all of us because I think we all know what happened in 2020. Yeah, we do know, Mark. We know that Joe Biden won. And
1: you knew that, too. You knew that, too.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Wow. Uh, As his own office found. Brnovich himself, according to this documentation, uh, was engaged in a giant grift that he decried when others were doing it. He said uh, he, he began to denounce politicians who denied uh, Trump's defeat, but only after he had lost the nomination uh, for, for the U.S. Senate last year. He called the people who were trumpeting this stuff, quote, clowns engaged in a, quote, giant grift, just like the giant grift that Mark Brnovich was doing in hopes of winning the nomination, So uh, now the good news here is that uh, Chris Mays, the new Democratic attorney general, says she is reorienting the entire work of the attorney general's office away from pursuing phony claims of fraud and towards protecting the right to vote. Thank you. uh, While investigating the few cases of wrongdoing that typically occur every election, and uh, she's trying to prevent threats against election workers. There's a lot here, and I will uh, include a free a gift link, if you will, to the Washington Post uh, when I report when I uh, post tonight's show at at Bradblog.com. But I want to hit a few just a few points from it. Uh, Bernovich's uh, investigated allegations that hundreds of votes had been cast in the name of deceased people. In fact, his office was able to find just one instance. One instance. Brnovich uh, had launched his investigation right after the cyber ninjas, remember them, speaking of clowns, after they had ended their own ridiculous months-long review and found, yes, that Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden in the state. Nonetheless, after the cyber ninjas, Brnovich, uh, you know, had then begun to compete for the Senate primary in uh, in Arizona against Trump candidates who said that they would have taken all kinds of steps to, you know, prevent the election from being certified in uh, in Arizona in 2020. So Bernovich played along, even though he knew better. He had his office set up a command center uh, and said, quote, the review of the audit w- of the uh, Cyber Ninja audit was made uh, a singular high level priority in the office. All hands were assigned to work exclusively On reviewing the audit with other matters being placed on hold unless a matter required immediate action on our part, according to his office. So please keep that in mind as you hear the criticism from the right of Fonnie Willis's ongoing criminal investigation of Trump's very real conspiracy in Georgia to try to steal the 2020 election in the state. They're complaining, as is Trump himself, that the district attorney's office in Fulton County, Georgia, ought to be working to stop Atlanta's crime problem as opposed to investigating the crimes, the actual crimes, that Trump and fellow Republicans in Georgia had attempted to pull off in 2020. Attempted but failed, I should note at the same time, at the very same time in Arizona, quote, all hands in the state attorney general's office were put into investigating fraud that by then they knew had never actually happened because the AG wanted to become a U.S. Senator. Uh, the new AG, Chris May, said that the office has about 60 investigators, investigators all of whom participated in the probe at some point, along with lawyers and support staff, 60 of them, plus lawyers and support staff. And all of this, after all of this, Bernovich Bern, uh, never released the full findings. The uh, interim report... This uh, phony interim report was uh, delivered in the form of a letter to the Republican president of the state Senate. This was uh, met by Trump allies as confirmation from the state attorney general that the voting was corrupted in Maricopa County. The letter was sent in April of last year. It highlighted management of early voting saying, quote, we can never uh, we can report that there are problematic system wide issues that relate to early balloting, ballot handling and verification. But in fact, Brnovich's own staff, as we now see in these documents, had tried to correct that, had changed that information, saying, quote, we did not uncover any criminality or fraud having been committed in this area during the 2020 election. And yet those staff comments were not reflected in the version that Brnovich finally released. I mean, it's it's amazing. One point after another, they corrected, he ignored and released this nonsense anyway of the more conspicuous claims examined by investigators, including those that were circulated by the cyber ninjas and the Texas based longtime GOP voter fraud fraudsters. That would be true. The vote that group Oh folks who ran who put out that phony 2000 mules documentary. The uh, one of the uh, claims investigated was found that uh, in response, it was found that uh, the groups, quote, did not provide any evidence to support their allegations. The information they did provide, quote, was speculative in many instances and when investigated by our agents and support staff was found to be inaccurate, unquote. The memo also reported that some high-profile Republican officials who had publicly made fantastical claims of fraud, well, they did not reiterate those claims when they were asked about them in person directly by law enforcement officials. Why? Because that would be illegal. Mark Fincham, for example, remember his name? He was then a state rep. He later ran unsuccessfully to be the secretary of state last year. As a huge 2020 election liar, claiming that he wouldn't have certified the 2020 election had he been in office at the time, he had repeatedly claimed that a quote source told him that more than 30,000 fictitious votes had been added uh, in, in a separate county south of Phoenix. But when he was questioned about that by Brnovich's agents, he did not repeat the claim, quote, specifically stating he did not have any evidence of fraud and he did not wish to take up our time. So publicly, they claimed they had all of these sources, and you probably heard about it. You probably heard about it all over the place. So a source says this, a source says that.
1: All of those affidavits that were filed.
0: But when they were asked about it, uh, yeah, sorry, we got nothing. Another, a, a GOP state senator, I love this. A GOP state senator guy By the name of Sonny Borelli, he had alleged a cover up of election irregularities, but he did not repeat those claims during an interview with uh with Brnovich's office. Uh, he he did not uh, uh, but he did provide what he said was the name of a deceased voter, according to the memo. Investigators learned that the allegedly deceased voter was actually you'll never guess it alive had not voted, and was not even a resident of Arizona. <laughs> so you get the idea. Bernovich knew there was nothing, and he ended up losing the Senate nomination in any event, even though he, you know, tried to pretend there was something. He lost the nomination to a 2020 election liar, Blake Masters, who himself ended up losing the general election to Democrat Mark Kelly last November. And election liar Mark Fincham also lost to a Democrat, Adrian Fontes, uh, for secretary of state. And election liar Carrie Lake lost her election for governor to another Democrat, secretary of state, Katie Hobbs. So why do they keep doing this? It ain't helping them. Uh, Brnovich uh, could not even win the nomination, And the guy who lied even more about the election ended up losing the general election. Yet they keep playing along with Donald Trump's lies on all of this. Why do they do this? Uh, Even as voters in their own party are trying to suggest, yeah, hey, maybe we should go a different different direction with this party. Now, it's okay to me if they don't, but it does seem to be uh, not serving them or their party very well. But there seems to be little sign that the Republican Party itself or its candidates have yet figured that out. Last month, Washington Post reported on a new Republican National Committee report suggesting that the party plans to, quote, ramp up, up, Their focus on disproven election fraud claims in advance of the 2024 presidential election. The paper says the report was prepared by five RNC staffers, including one guy by the name of Thomas Lane, who reportedly participated in the Trump campaign's effort in late 2020 to convene. Fake presidential electors in seven states who then plan to overturn to help overturn Joe Biden's victory with this scheme. Lane was named in subpoenas and the FBI actually searched his home as part of its investigation into all of this. And yet the RNC tasked this guy to create a report on how to win in 2024, specifically to ramp up false claims that there is a quote Continuing onslaught of Democrat election manipulation, according to that report. So they just don't seem to be getting it. Again, I'm not complaining. If they don't want to get it, that's up to them. But they ain't getting it. At the same time, it doesn't seem to be helping them. It seems to be hurting them. And yet they still keep piling on. For the record, uh, just last week, an Arizona appellate court denied Carrie Lake's continuing effort to demand a redo of the 2020 election for governor that she lost, with the state appeals court now affirming a lower court judge who also dismissed her claims, finding, quote, no basis justifies setting aside the election results. The court wrote, quote, Lake's only purported evidence was quite simply sheer speculation." Lake's response to her second court loss now uh, last week, challenging the 2022 election. Her tweet reading, quote, breaking. I told you we would take this case all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court. And that's exactly what we are going to do. Buckle up, America. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We're we're buckled up, Carrie. Trust me, we're, we're we've got plenty of buckle. Uh, and, of course, she included a link to her fundraising website along with that tweet. Yeah, she's going all the way to the Supreme Court because she's losing her way all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court.
1: Ah, But when she's losing, she's really winning because of all the money that people are sending to her.
0: We'll see how much she's winning. Uh, that's what I think a lot of these other uh, giant grifters thought. And now they're. Facing a lot of consequences for it. Let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about some of those consequences with some uh, quick accountability news to hold you over while we continue to wait for the indictments to come in for the former president. And, of course, Green News Report. That's ahead as well. Maybe more all ahead on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
1: And I'm not what I appear to be. Of all the
0: love Welcome back I to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. It is really difficult, I gotta say, to fathom why these uh, dupes have not yet uh, dropped the loser, Donald Trump, entirely. <laughs> Seriously, he's costing is them.
1: Very strange. Uh,
0: you know, not only elections, but also an arm and a leg in every other way as well. On Wednesday, it was reported that presidential daughter and son-in-law uh, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner have now been subpoenaed to give their testimony to a federal grand jury and special counsel Jack Smith's probe of Donald Trump's January 6, 2020, 2021 attempt to overthrow the U.S. government in hopes of stealing the 2020 election, since the pair both gave testimony to the Bipartisan House January 6 committee without invoking executive privilege, even though they were both working for daddy at the White House at the uh, at the time of the insurrection, because they already gave their uh, testimony under oath in a deposition, it'll likely be impossible to try and invoke invoke that privilege now for a criminal investigation doesn't mean it won't happen just means they ain't going to have much luck at it. And then on Thursday, a federal court judge said that Donald Trump himself can now be deposed in lawsuits that were filed by former FBI employees Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, who claimed that they were targeted for retribution by former President Trump because they were. That's probably not going to work out well for Trump. And in case you forgot, disgraced former White House aide and uh, 2016 campaign manager Steve Bannon has already been sentenced himself to four months in prison for contempt of Congress after he refused to answer a subpoena to testify to the January 6th committee. Well, on Thursday, it was reported by NBC that last week a law firm represented Representing Steve Bannon is now suing Steve Bannon for nearly half a million dollars in unpaid legal bills. In a lawsuit filed last Friday in New York State Court, the firm alleges that Bannon has an outstanding bill of more than $480,000 for legal services it provided from around November of 2020. Hmm, what happened in November of 2020? Was there anything <laughs> noteworthy from November of 2020 through November of 2022? The law firm represented Bannon in some high profile cases, including when he was subpoenaed by the House Select Committee investigating January 6th uh, and his subsequent trial for defying that subpoena. The firm also represented him in an investigation into charges that he defrauded donors who were giving money to build a wall at the southern U.S. border, remember that? Then-President Trump actually pardoned Bannon... In the federal border wall case about that fraud, but the Manhattan District Attorney's Office has since indicted Steve Bannon last year on state charges for the same thing, including money laundering, scheming to defraud, conspiracy in what prosecutors described as a year long scheme by Bannon, who has pleaded not guilty to those charges, though um, who's going to now represent him in the case? That may be up for grabs. The law firm claims that Bannon's legal fees and expenses totaled more than $855,000, and he paid only $375,000 of that total bill. All racked up because he was dumb enough to go along with that loser, Donald Trump, on all of his various schemes.
1: Well, maybe he can take some of the money that he stole from the people who donated to We Build the <laughs> yes. Wall and use those pe- that money to pay off the law of Actually,
0: birth. I think he already used that money to pay off other credit card uh-huh. bills of his. Uh, But I I don't know. It's insane. What are these people thinking? When will the spell break? In any event, Robert Costello, he's a partner of this particular firm that uh, sued Bannon after often representing him. But it is now unclear if Robert Costello actually still represents Bannon. According to NBC, uh, Costello declined the request from NBC News for comment. Sad. And uh, one other guy who also received a pardon from Donald Trump, and is already in trouble again, not unlike Steve Bannon, Jesse Benton. Remember him? We've talked about him a few times. Oh yes, he's been a uh, Republican political operative, uh, or let's call it a political consultant. I'm sorry, a political consultant uh, for years and years since around 2008. He has worked. For a whole bunch of Republicans, including both Ron Paul back in the day and his son Rand Paul, as well as Mitch McConnell in Kentucky and uh, for a Trump super PAC. Well, in September of 2016, Benton was convicted as part of a 2013 bribery scandal involving an attempt to buy an endorsement in the Republican Iowa caucuses. Back in, I think it was 2012. He was sentenced to two years of probation. He got off pretty easy. And he, in fact, he never served that probation because Donald Trump pardoned him for that crime. You'd think he got off and he wouldn't, uh, you know, do the same stuff again. Silly you. Benton was then indicted yet again, not for the 2013 campaign violation, but instead for a 2016 campaign violation. He schemed with another political advisor to funnel political contributions to Trump's 2016 presidential campaign from a Russian national. Benton arranged for the Russian to attend a campaign fundraising event and take a picture with Donald Trump. In 2016, uh, according to a DOJ DOJ statement released on this case this week, as such, they said, attendance and engagement uh, required a contribution. So Benton caused the Russian national to wire him $100,000 to his political consulting firm, to make an illegal foreign contribution to the Donald Trump campaign. And to disguise that scheme, Benton created a fake invoice which falsely identified the funds as payment for consulting services. Benton acted, in fact, as a straw donor and contributed $25,000 of the Russian nationals' money to the campaign, falsely identifying himself As the contributor, he then pocketed the remaining $75,000. Well, Benton was convicted last November of conspiring to solicit and cause an illegal campaign contribution by a foreign national and causing false records to be filed with the Federal Elections Commission. You'll be very sad to know that late last week, Jesse Benton was sentenced to 18 months in prison
1: actual prison.
0: Yep. And I suspect the current president, Joe Biden, will probably not be pardoning Jesse Benton. Quick break, and we are back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report and a bit more news. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. (sighs) And thanks. Uh, Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from brandblog.com. We've got some uh, additional news on this uh, rail uh, derailment in Ohio that Fox News has suddenly decided to be upset about. We will get to that uh, after we talk about uh, part of it on our latest Green News Report. In no way, shape, or form will Norfolk Southern get off the hook the mess that they created. EPA takes
1: control of toxic Ohio train derailment disaster three weeks later. Right-wing media tries to weaponize Ohio disaster into culture war fodder. Plus, surprise, the oil and gas industry has failed to cut climate warming methane emissions as promised.
0: All of those broken promises and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Trump, who is running in next year's presidential election, met with community members and local officials to get an update on cleanup efforts on the ground. As part of his visit, he also donated more than a dozen pallets of water and cleaning supplies. <laughs> oh boy, a dozen? This is your Green News Report. We're bringing thousands of bottle of water, Trump water, actually, most of it. Uh, some of it we had to go to a much lesser quality water. Okay, Desi Doyen, CNN is reporting that in the Ohio train derailment disaster, Norfolk Southern, the train company, is paying $6.5 million to help affected residents. Meanwhile, they note the rail company paid its shareholders $7.5 billion. What, no Trump water as well to go with it?
1: <laughs> Apparently not. The Biden Environmental Protection Agency asserted its legal authority this week to take control of the cleanup of the toxic chemical train derailment disaster in East Palestine, Ohio. Finally! Three weeks after the incident, the EPA announced sweeping enforcement actions against railroad company Norfolk Southern and compelled the company to pay the entire cleanup bill. Good. At a press conference, EPA Administrator Michael Regan said he knows the EPA cannot undo the nightmare visited on residents but reassured the community that it won't be left to handle the aftermath alone after the news cameras leave.
0: Norfolk Southern will pay for cleaning up the mess that they created and the trauma that they inflicted on this community and impacted Beaver County residents. We're not going to leave this community to manage this aftermath alone. Well, one might wonder what has taken them so long to get there. On the other hand, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine doesn't seem to have wanted the federal government there at all.
1: Pennsylvania's attorney general has opened a criminal investigation into the company's actions. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg also announced a package of reforms and asked Congress to untie the department's hands on enforcement, like increasing maximum fines for rail safety violations that are currently capped at just over two. $200,000.
0: Why is it the Pennsylvania Attorney General who's taking action here, not Ohio's Attorney General? That's an
1: excellent question. Thank you. Disgraced former President Donald Trump staged a visit to East Palestine, unintentionally highlighting his own record of slashing regulations on both rail safety and hazardous chemicals. The Trump administration repealed several rules on the grounds that the cost to industry outweighed any potential benefits, but an AP analysis found the Trump administration underestimated the costs of future derailments by more than 100 million dollars republicans and right-wing media are trying to weaponize the derailment by attacking the federal response but omitting as noted that ohio's republican governor mike dewine still has yet to formally request a federal disaster declaration
0: by the way i hope someone has checked that trump water For hazardous chemicals.
1: Just saying. The Biden White House countered that congressional Republicans and Trump officials, quote, owe East Palestine an apology for selling them out to rail industry lobbyists when they dismantled Obama-era safety rules.
0: It is darling that suddenly Republicans have decided to become so disturbed about all of this. Uh, Where were those same Republicans when... Uh, people couldn't return to their homes because of the toxic air in Porter Ranch out here in California, thanks to the natural gas industry. Where were those Republicans when toxic lead poisoned water was being fed to the town of Flint, Michigan? All of a sudden, when it's a bunch of Republicans who are affected by all of this with a Democrat in the White House, suddenly they decide to give a damn. Go figure.
1: In other news, a new report by the International Energy Agency finds that, surprise, the fossil fuel industry is failing to repair its methane leaks, despite the industry's pledges to do so. The IEA says the oil and gas industry can cheaply reduce methane emissions by 75 percent using existing technologies. And it said halting non-emergency flaring and venting of gas into the atmosphere, quote, is the most single impactful measure countries can take. Methane Matters because it is a more potent climate-warming gas than carbon dioxide over a 20-year period.
0: Uh, I'm sure Fox News and all the Republicans are furious about all of that methane poisoning people around the country, right? For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report.
1: It
0: it's really amazing. They're uh, not embarrassed, it seems, about how little they know that you know Donald Trump goes to Ohio. Yep. Uh, acts, pretends that he's uh, so upset about what happened to these trains. And, you know, they they're not embarrassed about the fact that they don't realize that Democratic presidents for years have been trying to do something about it. And the rail industry has been spending millions of dollars to prevent them from doing anything about it.
1: Right. And- Actually,
0: they did do something about it. But Donald Trump.
1: Rolled it all back. Rolled it all back. Very proudly. And when he was in East Palestine, Ohio, for his little visit, one yeah. of the reporters asked him, hey, you know, what about this rollback that you did during your administration? And he said, I had nothing to do with it. And then, of <laughs> yeah. course, there was a huge roll-through of, tr- of Twitter uh-huh. of everyone posting his tweet where he said, the rollback of brake re- regulations, R- right. upgraded brake regulations, and said, this is fantastic. We're doing great.
0: And uh, here was Brian Kilmeade, perhaps the dumbest man on television <laughs> at least on Fox News which yeah. is saying something Brian Kilmeade I think today yes uh, he, here was his comments uh, now that he's learning about how choo-choo trains work I knew nothing about these derailment numbers. I'm stunned by it, mm-hmm. that we have thousands of derailments all the time, and what the, how costly it is, and, and how they're not kept up, and <laughs> maybe the regulation needs to be there. I think there needs to be, uh, there's a widespread sentiment to have a, a look at the whole rail industry, what the lobbyists are doing, and, and <laughs> what the actual, I heard there were three people on that train of how many cars? 10, uh, 20 of which had chemicals in somebody it? Somebody at the front, somebody at the back, and some other Does that blow you thing? away? No, blows me away, Brian. Yes. He's Th- just discovered that, hey, there's been rollbacks of regulations. Thousands of derailments. Who knew? Maybe there needs to be regulations. Do you think, Brian? I, I mean, you know, the uh, rail industry has, well, since the founding of this country, uh, obviously has been very, very... Or near the founding of this country has you know has been very very powerful and they still are and the rail workers have been trying to say no we need these uh, issues fixed we need we don't have enough people on the trains we don't get enough oh. sick pay and so forth and, yeah and
1: not only that I mean yeah. it's it's kind of nuts that the uh, currently they have to have you know three crew members or minimum two crew members right. this in Ohio was a two and a half mile long train <laughs> so three or two crew members It would take you how long to walk the train just to uh, find out if something was wrong. And the railroad industry has been lobbying really heavily to reduce that to only one crew member per train. Oh, my
0: God. Maybe there needs to be regulations says Brian Kilmeade it's on Fox on News. Yeah, you think. You're so close to getting it, guys. By the way, uh they're working hard to not get it, yeah. believe me. Uh the, the uh b- by the way, we do have some news since we uh, uh laid down our Green News report today about this uh, train derailment, other than dumb Fox News news. Uh, <laughs> real news here from yes. the NTSB.
1: Yes, this came in too late for us to put in today's Green News report, but yes, the uh, North, the, the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, released a preliminary report on Thursday uh, about what they believe happened. Again, this is just preliminary, so a final report will come out in a couple of months. So the crew operating the freight train that derailed in East Palestine did not receive critical warnings about An overheated axle, that was the piece of the train that broke, caused the derailment. So they didn't receive that critical warning until just a few minutes before the cars went off the track. So there was a wheel bearing that the NTSB found that had been steadily heating heating up, mm-hmm. I mean, getting warmer and warmer, as the train traveled through Ohio, but an actual audible alarm that is on the train did not go off until after a sensor registered that the wheel had reached 250 degrees Fahrenheit above the around surrounding air temperature. Mm. So that is a dangerous level of heating that requires the train to stop to prevent the disaster. So there were two earlier sensors that uh, had not registered the temperature because it wasn't high enough to trigger the alarm. So so the crew, they, they heard the alarm just minutes before. They saw the fi- there was a fire that surveillance cameras had picked up underneath the train um, from like 20 miles before, but they didn't get that information. So they did f- see the fire. They saw the smoke. They re- reported a possible derailment to the dispatcher, um, but the train still derailed and they were unable to stop it from happening. It was traveling the speed limit, though, below the speed limit. So, so in uh,
0: 2018... September 2018, in, uh, in Fortune, headline, Trump Rolls Back Train breaking Rule Meant to Keep Oil Tankers from Exploding Near Communities. An Obama rule to require new brakes to reduce the risk of oil train derailments causing explosions and spilling gas was reversed by Trump. So, uh, boy, is Brian Kilmeade going to be surprised when that news gets to him from 2018. <laughs>
1: True. I mean, these are some very serious problems that the railroad industry has visited upon the United States, yeah. upon communities and that around have the United so States. they've
0: been doing so for years. Yes, they have. For years. And, you know, now that there's a, 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 Repu- uh, I'm sorry, a Democrat, Democrat yeah. in the White House and the people affected here, I mean, I've just, it's been driving me nuts since they flipped the switch and decided to be uh, furious about this. We have not only the thousands of trains derailments, but we have all kinds of problems, as I mentioned. Industrial
1: in, accidents. Flint,
0: Michigan The water there, the problems with the water in Jackson, Mississippi unfortunately for those poor people, you know, they're they're black and they tend to vote democratic. So the Fox News doesn't give a damn about them. Or out here in Porter Ranch near Los Angeles when that horrific gas leak went on for weeks months, months actually, uh, yes. uh making people sick. Where was the outrage from Fox News about that? Oh well, those, you know, that's in blue California. We don't give a damn about that. This is Ohio. This is white people. Those are our people. Now we've got to pretend to be furious
1: yes it's all it's all uh, a bunch of bs is what it is
0: anyway thank you very much for that (laughs) bs desi doyan and thanks to all uh she's our producer thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us uh if you missed any portion of today's program you can download it anytime for free no paywall ever at bradblog.com thanks to those of you who support our work by hitting one of them donate buttons. Thank you for that. Or you can go straight to bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com, and you will find me on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at TheBradBlog. We'll see you there. Till we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <music>